We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? The Bronx Pinstripe Show. We are recording this on a Sunday morning, uh, just after the trade deadline on Friday. Hope you caught our trade deadline episode. Uh, Scott, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. See the dedication we have to the Bronx Pinstripe Show and the Bronx Faithful? We're at, we are up at 7 o'clock in the morning recording this podcast so that we can go on through our day and do our things that we need to do. So 7 a.m., a little, a little early for us. Your, your, our voices probably sound a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, I'm pounding the coffee. Sorry, Me too. Sorry for getting you up pretty early. This this is my fault since I'm going to the beach today. I, I dragged Scott up at uh, 7 a.m. to get this done. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we're not too groggy. Um, and uh, we, we get through this with some energy. Yeah, oh, no doubt. I mean, I'm better at 7 in the morning than I am at 11 at night. So I'd rather do this. Let's do it. So uh, how's Mattingly doing? Mattingly's good, man. Mattingly is... Um, so we're crate training her, and she's so we're, we're, we have a pretty regimented schedule. The first week, we'll probably do it for about two weeks, uh, where she's you know in the crate for uh, portions of the day, so that we can kind of control that bladder and get her uh, get her house broken asap, so uh, we don't have to deal with that because that's probably the worst thing is dealing with a dog who 
takes a takes a dump or pisses in your house consistently, right? So you want to you want to nip that one in the butt. So that's what we're doing. So she's good. You might hear her crying downstairs because usually she's she's uh, out and running around right now. But um, we'll have to get her on the podcast one time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe later. Maybe next season. That's what I was saying. I think when I when when I showed the picture of the, our new mascot, I said she's in uh, rigorous training right now and she'll be she'll be ready for 2016 uh, spring training. Well, I mean, if the Yankees go in a deep playoff run or, or even win the World Series, I think Mattingly's the reason why. I mean, it's got to be. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, you never know. She she's been uh, she's named after one of the one of the all time greats. So she's uh, it's it would be apropos. Let's do it. Interesting that you named uh, Mattingly is a great name for a dog, but you know that Mattingly was sort of the the right before the '90s dynasty, uh, probably a lot. And, and of- that makes me sad every time I think about it because because you know there's there's not a guy who deserves uh, to be on a good team more than Don Mattingly because he was on such terrible teams, and you know that that loss to Seattle in um, in '95 was his last season, and the the year that the strike happened was probably one of our best chances to go to the World Series. We had a great team that year. Yeah. Uh, it was us and the Expos, I think, were, just, yep. were fighting for the best record. And that was Mattingly's year, man, to get to the playoffs you know, and, and potentially go deep. Um, and, then, uh, and then Seattle broke my heart. So, yeah, you know, I, it was a, I, when Tino came over, too, I had, in the beginning of that, I had mixed emotions just because I was such a big Don Mattingly fan. And then Tino was, was part of the reason we, you know, he was not in the playoffs anymore. Tino got booed for the first half in 96. Oh, yeah, because he because we had a huge rivalry with Seattle at that time. I mean, that was at the peak of it because of what they did to us in the playoffs. So that was, um, you know, that was very much open wounds at that point, uh, especially with Mattingly, you know, him replacing, you know, our, our captain at that point. I always wondered why Mattingly didn't want to come back for, you know, even like a, a part-time role. But I guess when you've been a star and a starter that long and his back was so messed up. His back, up. that was the yeah. biggest thing. Like, I don't even know if his back would be able to to handle a, a part-time role. Um, I feel like he's one of those guys that had to kind of get into the groove. He had to warm up for a long time um, and get into it. But his back, his back is the reason he's not in the Hall of Fame. His back yep. is the reason his, his career was not was cut short. You know his 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 injuries definitely got the best of him, um, unfortunately. Yeah, I was just gonna say he if he had another like three solid seasons, he's probably you know fourth, third, fourth uh, ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's in the. He would definitely. I think he would he would be in the Hall of Fame for sure. If I, I I was I always say if he had five years, five more years tacked on, um, then then he would be in. Even just to show a little bit of longevity, you know, Biggio style, <laughs> just to just to show that I played for five more years. I think he would have been – you looked at differently. All right. So uh, as I mentioned, we did a podcast on Friday right after the trade deadline. And I think um, we all thought maybe the Yankees were going to do a little bit more. Ackley was the one guy they picked up. After the dust has settled, you've had a couple days to think about it. Has your opinion changed at all on the trade deadline and what the Yankees did? Well, I didn't really have uh, you know, a burning desire to go out and get – um, somebody and, and and you must go get somebody. You know, I wasn't really on that boat. Um, so so I yeah, I guess I'm okay with it just because I I think we do have some relief coming in the in the um, in the minor leagues and obviously now with Severino coming up, um, he's he's kind of a, a, a the, the de facto acquisition, right? So um, and the other thing I, I mentioned in the other episode, if if you didn't catch this one, like the Ackley, even the Ackley uh, acquisition is a little bit better in my opinion, just because I don't think he's coming over or and now with the <laughs> Garrett Jones being DFA'd, he's definitely not coming over only to be a second baseman, which doesn't really block the path of Ref Snyder, who I think also will be um, an addition that can come up. 
Absolutely. And I think if you look at some of the things Cashman said on Friday night where where he said it's all hands on deck for for our minor league system, Mm -hmm. I took that to mean basically he has more confidence in his minor league system. Guys like Severino who are being called up and will start on Wednesday versus Boston. We'll get into that in a second. But he has more confidence in some of those guys than maybe going out and trading for for a guy, trading some of that young talent for, for a lesser player on the market. Yeah, and, and you know, the guys we were looking at were the Mike Leakes, the, the possibly like a Dan Heron, guys like that. And you're telling me that Severino can't come up showing what he's done and you you don't have confidence to him for, in him to, uh, you know, produce, you know, similar to, to those guys, if not, you know, with, with way higher upside. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of agree with it. I, I think we do have some some guys who are ready to contribute right now. And it's, you know, this is this is the first year we've had that in a long time. So. Um, that's why I was, you know, I didn't. I really did not want them to go out and and overpay or or do something just just too aggressive. And I think Hart, uh, Cashman had that hardline stance, and he was going to go look for something that was on his terms, uh, and if it fit his 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 plan, that he was going to pull the trigger. But if not, he was not going to overspend, and he was not going to overbargain, and he was not going to give away his uh, his his core minor league players. And you know, he kind of he stuck to that. To to his credit, he told us he was going to do that, and he stuck to it. So the only thing I can think that uh, where you can find some negativity in this is that a, a lot of times at the deadline when you bring over a guy, it, it sort of re-energizes the team and reinstills confidence. So, you know, Yankees talked about how in uh, when they brought over Cone in, when was that, 95, how much of a boost that was for that team. Um, and we've seen it, you know, with David Justice or things yeah. like that. Where Cecil it, Fielder. Yeah. I mean, there's been guys who've come over and definitely have done that. It really just sort of gets the team, you know, fired back up and, and down the stretch. So I guess you could say maybe that'll hurt them this year, but but I don't know. Yeah, but see, the thing is, is that because these guys have been so highly touted in AAA, I think Severino does exactly the same thing. I think these guys are ready to, and excited to see this kid come up. I mean, he's dominated everywhere he's gone, and he's even been more dominant as he moved up in AAA. I mean, he was absolutely filthy. Um, and then Ref Snyder, I think, does a similar uh, a similar tactic. I mean, when he came up for that weekend, there was a lot of energy in that clubhouse. I think those two guys could really energize. And, I mean, hold down the Bronx, man, in September when, it, when if Aaron Judge comes up. I mean, I know all those guys are really excited to see him. Yeah, so let's talk about Severino and some of those stats you mentioned. Um, he's made 11 starts in AAA, and it, he's 7-0, 61 innings pitched, a 1.91 ERA, and a, this is my favorite, a .929 whip, which is just, he's been unhittable in AAA. Yeah, and you know, those, he's, he's improved on his numbers as he's moved up uh, against better competition. So that is such a good thing to see. Um, you know, another stat that, that we had in our notes was, he hasn't given up home runs. He does not give up home runs, um, and that's and that's a huge deal um, for a young pitcher. And and you know, hopefully, uh, coming in with with damage control. I mean, the the kids really pitch well. So Stephen Jacobson put up a blog on on Bronx Pinstripes, broke down all of the Severino stats. I definitely recommend going to read that. Um, if you're a stat nerd like me, a baseball stat nerd, you'll love that. Um, but one thing I want to mention about Severino: this is the best pitching prospect. The Yankees have brought up uh, since we're really talking about Hughes, Jabba, and Ian Kennedy. Um, you know, let's face it: in the last few years, the Yankees have not produced a lot of starting rotation talent out of their out of their minor league system. So, how much pressure do you think is on Severino and also on the organization for, for this guy to work out? 
I don't really think there's a lot of pressure on Severino because I, I think he's just a young kid who doesn't listen to all that stuff. I, like, does he really know that he's the one that, they're, that, that the Yankees have had um, just a bunch well, of shells? Well, I mean, shells. he's got to know he was quote-unquote untouchable at the trade deadline. Yeah, I, I guess he knows that, but I, I don't know. For a young guy who's just throwing the ball and pitching, I, I don't – for a starting pitcher, I feel like those guys are, are some of the most um, you know mentally tough, and uh, he, he's shown that he can prove it on every level. I mean, he's, he's gone up and just – done better when the stage has gotten bigger he's gotten better so there's nothing in his numbers nothing in his makeup that leads me to believe that he'll have any kind of um you know mental uh, deficiencies in the in the major league so no i don't, I don't see that happening I, I really don't and you know i, I think having Batances come up too is Batances was one of our you know the killer bees right we were we were we were so excited for Batances uh Banuelos and Brackman is that Andrew Brackman right? yeah no it was it I can't even remember yeah Andrew Brackman I think we he went to uh he got released and I think he went to Cincinnati for a minute or two I don't, I don't know where he is today but he was part of the killer bees and Batances is the only guy that that made it through and he made it in a completely different capacity so um you know I think he's got some some other uh you know let's let's not talk let's not also downplay the amount of kids that are up on the majors right now who can actually kind of help him acclimate to the major leagues. You know, John Ryan Murphy's a guy I think can really help him out as well, just getting ready for it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not really worried about that. I just hope he goes out there and, uh, and pitches the way he can. I think there's pressure on Cashman and on the organization for this guy to work out because this, this is the guy. This is the guy they've told us is their best pitching prospect. He's the number one prospect in the system. They were not going to trade him at the trade deadline. I think this kid needs to work out. Uh, I, I think Cashman will really face some heat if he comes up and he's a bust. Now, I agree with that. I think the pressure is more on Cashman than it is Severino because um, because we have been touting him and he has been uh, protecting him through you know through the through the years in the trade deadline and in the off season. So yeah, I agree with that. I think Cashman is is really sitting there watching this guy. He's gonna have a close eye on him. And you know, I, I think you know. I want to use Ian Kennedy as an example. Ian Kennedy absolutely sucked in the Bronx. He could not pitch. He was in the rotation to start the season in 2008, and he got out absolutely shelled. They, they shipped him out, and he's had a pretty decent career. He's not an ace or anything like that, but he's a solid major league pitcher. So the talent was there, but I guess the makeup wasn't there for Kennedy where he couldn't handle New York. So you got to hope with Severino, we know the talent is there. I mean, you watch him pitch. You can see the raw stuff. You can see the numbers in AAA, but you just got to hope his head and mentally he's in a right place to handle the Bronx. Yeah, and, and this is just going to be something we'll have to watch and, and see how he does. Um, but, you know, I think the only way to the only way to find out is to throw the kid in the fire. So I'll, I'll tell you the one thing I really do like about um, you know we've been talking about getting getting our kids up, and I think that they're doing it in the right time because. You know, this is going to give Severino an op- an opportunity to kind of acclimate and get get into the the major leagues, um, get into the Bronx, into the clubhouse. You know, well before the you know September um, stretch run happens. Uh, you know, so he he's getting in there in the beginning of August, and he can really just I think settle down and you know get into his role, so that when you know everything starts getting really really you know hyped up, um, you know he's he's ready and and, and comfortable in the Bronx. Also, he's starting against the Red Sox, and they blow. Yeah, well, that's that's a perfect perfect time for him to get in there. Um, an offense that has some has some potential. Yeah, he still has to be, uh, you know, have some good stuff because they can put up runs. Um, and then it's the Red Sox. So, you know, I like that. I like that he's going to be put in there. Uh, you know, kind of kind of like the way Ref Snyder was. Yeah, it would be a little scary. I think maybe if he was ma- making his major league debut against Toronto, who's got 
like a fantasy baseball lineup. But against the Red Sox, I feel a little bit more confident, especially this year. They're they're just a dysfunctional team um, all around, which is so great to see. Did and and see, hopefully, hopefully nobody builds them out of a contract this time. Did you see? I just want to mention this quickly. Uh, Larry Lucchino was essentially fired. He was the CEO of the Red Sox. This happened last night. I didn't even see that, no. So this is big news. Um, as, as people I'm sure know, I live in Boston, so I follow the Red Sox um, pretty closely, ma- mainly from a standpoint of rooting against them. But Larry Lucchino, is, he makes a lot of the calls for the Red Sox. I know there's Ben Charrington, he's the GM, but um, I, there's a lot of rumors that Lucchino and Charrington and Lucchino and Theo Epstein always butted heads. Um, so I, I think they're finally fed up with Lucchino and, you know, he was the one who hired Bobby Valentine and we know how much of a disaster that was. You know, he maybe, I think, ha, uh, has made some decisions bringing in these free agents like Pablo Sandoval, Hanley Ramirez, who let's face it, they've been like a disaster. So yeah, that's bit that's big news, uh, up here in Boston. Yeah. And I, I did see a quote from, maybe it was Charrington who said something about how he underestimated or he overestimated the uh, the talent or the you know the makeup of the team um, and to where they are right now. So he should have listened to our show because we we, <laughs> we could have told him that you know his pitching staff was was extremely mediocre. He had a bunch of number threes that are actually like number fours. They're all pitching like number fours. And then uh, you know he had a dysfunctional offense with a fat boy on third base and uh, a guy who's never played left field before. The next best thing to to the Yankees and Red Sox both being good and the rivalry being fun on the field is when the Red Sox are dysfunctional and they're just a mess. Yeah, that's, that's right. It's like, when it's a train wreck, it's fun to watch also. Yeah. All right, back uh, back to some news here. Um, we mentioned this on Friday, but Michael Pineda is going on the DL with a forearm strain. This is the same injury that Andrew Miller had. And And, you know, this is something that the timing, I think, for Yankee fans was – was uh was was unfortunate because it was right at the trade deadline and it was you know it was um what well, it was the day before the trade deadline it was Thursday and we're yeah. sort of sitting there like okay we just lost one of our best pitchers now we really got to go out and get a pitcher exactly and and well that's what the mentality was right and I don't think it it changed much for the front office um I, I don't think they were going to overreact to the injury because I don't think they think that the injury is as as big of a deal um the way that Miller was able to come back. Now, granted, he hasn't been as, that great. He has not been sharp since he's come back. Um, but, you know, they, they, I think they believe that this is not something serious. Uh, so they didn't need to go out and just and overreact to it. And the fact that they had Severino was, was kind of their guy that they could, uh, they could lean back on. Well, he's going to be out about a month, maybe five weeks. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's, he's going to be um, kind of going the Miller route, right? We saw Miller out for, what, about a month. Um, and so they'll shut him down for a little while. I think the timetable is... Still up in the air for exactly when he'll be, you know, throwing again. Um, but you know, he's going to get a rehab, maybe two in there uh, after that, and then he'll be back up. So hopefully, everything goes well through the rehab, and a little R and R just takes care of the issue. Yeah. So let's look at it with a glass half full. It's that they were going to limit his innings anyway because they were pushing back his start because right. he, w- he was getting up there uh, in innings. So this is going to give him some rest, and he'll be healthy and strong down for September and October. That's that's the glass half full. Right. The glass half empty is he comes back and he's just not sharp and he can't find his stuff again and he's bad in September down the stretch. Yeah, and I'm wondering if you know this has been something that's happened to him, you know, that's gone in his arm uh, over the past month or so because we've seen some really bad starts out of him and we know that the Yankees for some reason like to hide their injuries. So uh, you know, I'm wondering if this was a uh, kind of an issue for him. But yeah, you're right. I think the fact that he's going to have the 
the time off is a good thing. And I think the Yankees organization is kind of okay with that. The fact that it's not a serious injury and the fact that he is going to be rested um, and strong for the stretch run, uh, I think they're, um, you know, not a high, I wouldn't say happy about it, but they're, they're, they're indifferent in the fact that he's going to get his rest as long as he comes back healthy. Well, this Pineda, I mean, we know the stuff is there, but health is one of the big question marks with him. He has not made it through a full season with the Yankees. Right, but in, it's been shoulders. I mean, his shoulder was the issue before. We haven't really seen too much about his arm itself. Um, but, but I tell you, your, your forearm and your elbow, um, if, if those are not feeling 100%, your breaking stuff is going to suffer. And that's when we see when, he is, when he's not doing well, he's not sharp with his breaking balls. His, his slider's not on. When his slider's on, he's you know, one of the best, most dominant guys in the league. But, um, you know, you're having arm issues like that. It's hard to – it's really hard to get that, that same rotation and the same, I think, uh, downward motion on your ball. Well, he clearly was, was hurting last Friday in Minnesota because he sucked in that game. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully this, this can be just uh, a, a nice little uh, vacation for him to, to rest that arm and um, hopefully that strain can just go away and he can come back sharp and, uh, you know, make those uh, – be more consistent with his breaking stuff. It's never easy with these Yankees. It's like one step forward, one step back. You know, we got Severino coming up, but Pineda's on the DL. It just can never be all good news. Yeah. Well, the reason he's coming up is because of Pineda, too. Yeah, that's true. All right. Um, So the Yankees' current record is 58-42. and Uh, They just split a series in Texas, and uh, we sit here Sunday morning, and they've split the first two in uh, Chicago. They are six games up in AL East over Baltimore. Baltimore actually just jumped over Toronto. Uh, oh, excuse me, five games up over Baltimore, six games up over Toronto. So the the lead has shrunk slightly over the last week. Yeah, I think uh, the Orioles are starting to play a little bit, uh, some better baseball. And uh, the, that's the one team, well, I guess the Toronto Blue Jays now too. I, I, for some reason, I just cannot take them seriously because of the Blue Jays. I don't know. I don't care who they have on their team, like, yeah. you know, who's wearing the uniform. I just, I have a hard time looking at the Blue Jays and being like, and being like oh, they're going to come back. The Blue Jays are going to come back. And, and I don't know. It's, it's just because, I guess, 22 years not being in the playoffs, you just haven't seen it. Yeah, I was five the last time they were in the playoffs. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's very hard to take them seriously, but you have to with the amount of talent they have on there. Uh, but the Orioles are a team that, that have the talent and they have, um, you know, the experience late in the, late in the season. I mean, they got scorching hot at the end of last year. So they have the potential to do that. Um, they didn't really add very much at the trade deadline. Uh, you know, I think they needed some, some help in the starting pitching, the starting rotation, and they didn't really get it. Um, I, I saw Bud Norris was, was – uh, was released or DFA'd as well. He's a guy that they had a lot of high hopes for that just didn't pan out. So, you know, I, I really question their pitching staff coming down the stretch that can uh, that they can make a comeback. I do too, but um, I, I do think Walter's a good manager. Uh, I think he's an annoying person, but he's a good manager. And, and I have more confidence that Walter can get his team to the playoffs than John Gibbons, the manager of the Blue Jays, can get that all-star team to the, to the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. And we've seen what happens. We've seen firsthand what happens when you assemble talent and then say, go win. Yeah, Um, the Blue Jays tried to do it two years ago when they took all the Marlins uh, guys and it didn't work. That's right. That's right. I think this is a different caliber of guys that they got this year. Um, They definitely got some higher echelon uh, dudes coming over with, you know, with Tulowitzki and um, uh, and Price. Not to mention some of that, that bullpen help with Lowe as well. I mean, he's been filthy this year. So, 
you know, we'll see. I mean, Tulo has the has the the ability to get injured tomorrow and be on the shelf for two months. I mean, he's he's that kind of guy who gets injured a lot. So, um, you know, their whole world could come crashing down too, uh, with that. And then having their, I think, I think personally, you know, with the with the position that they're in, um, it was really really dicey uh, for those guys to to go all in uh, on this year when they're oh, six games out, all or nothing. I mean, this is this is the season. If they don't make the playoffs this season, I mean, oh, they're, they're gutted. They're, they're gutted. gutted. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I, it's gonna hurt when they don't make the playoffs because I don't, I don't, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs. All right, so what would you rather have happen? They miss the playoffs entirely, or they they get to that one game playoff. Price is the one on the mound, and it just comes crashing and burning. I think that would be good drama. Let's <laughs> let's go with option. Let's go with curtain number two, Andrew. I think that would be more fun to watch because I like <clears throat> to see when our rivals crash and burn. It's just fun for me. I don't know. It's Maybe I got a little sickness in my head, but I like seeing the fact that these guys go all in and they think they're going to actually make the run and, and then it doesn't work out and then they have to pay for it. Well, and, you know, they're, they're playing with fire. I think you mentioned about um, the GM, you know, he's, he's in a he's in a year where uh, this is this is a make or break year for him, right? Alex Anthopoulos, yeah. And and it's crazy how how he could just like completely gut the minor leagues knowing because, that this is his last year. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like he's pushing all his chips into the table, but it's not his money. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't so, have like, to live with the consequences. Exactly. That's why I'm I'm very surprised that that GMs are allowed to do that when they're when they're kind of on the on the cusp like this. I'm I'm surprised ownership allows them to make such drastic moves. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But uh, I, I don't I don't think it's going to work. Well, they're essentially pl- you know going for the one game road playoff game because Houston yeah. or um, the Angels have that home uh, wild card game locked up. I mean they're way ahead. Well, honestly, I think the mentality in the Blue Jays is that they have 13 games against us and that they can uh, make that lead evaporate. I, I honestly think they believe that. I think that. At least the ownership does. you got to figure those are going to be – you know, both are good teams. I don't see one team going 10-3 and three in those 13 games. You figure it's going to be, you know, 7-6 and six or, you know, around 500. So it's going to be really hard to make up that difference if you go 500 against each other. Oh, I totally agree with that. And I think they're uh, – I. They've they've improved their team. Yes, they have absolutely improved their team. Are they are they uh, you know head and shoulders talent wise better than the Yankees? No, not even a little bit. I mean the way that the Yankees are swinging the bats right now, um, you know our lineup is is putting up a, a good amount of runs. Granted, they have like a ridiculous amount of firepower, um, but you know with behind Price, there's I think their pitching staff is a little bit uh, lessened to be desired too. Yeah, and their bullpen they did they did pick up an arm at the at the deadline. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Mark Lowe. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, but their bullpen is still shaky, um, and while their lineup on paper looks unbelievable, they're all right-handed hitters. So if you've got a good right-handed pitcher like Tanaka when he's on his A game or um, Pineda when he's on his A game, I think they can shut that lineup down. Yeah, or Evaldi, you know, the guy that has 11 wins yeah. on our team. Or Severino. Yeah, we yeah. have we have guys who can come in there and shut that lineup down, um, and it doesn't it doesn't obviously, uh, you know, bode extremely well for Yankee Stadium either. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think I think uh, going around 500 is probably the more realistic, um, you know, outcome of what's going to happen with these last 13 games. Uh, but I have a lot of confidence with, with my with, with my Yankees, especially when we're playing in the Bronx. Especially when the Bronx Pinstripes team is going to be there on Saturday. Yes, I have a lot of confidence there. Um, oh, I mean, in Yankee Stadium, the Yankees are a totally different team. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with these guys, but I think they overplayed their hand a little bit. All right, let's uh, break down some of these games over the last week. Uh, last Monday in Texas, Yankees won 6-2. to two. 
Nova started this game, but you could see from the very beginning he was not on his game. He only went five innings. Uh, his stuff was not sharp. He was sweating bullets. I know it's 100 degrees in Texas all the time, but uh, he was laboring, really laboring through that game. And then there was a report uh, after the game, and I'm not sure if this was ever um, actually confirmed, but there were rumors that maybe he was getting a little bit of a tired arm recently. Uh, Girardi definitely spoke about it and, and said that you're going to have things like this coming back from Tommy John, but they were not concerned about it. Um, but Yeah, he's starting so, tonight. Uh, yeah, so we'll see today. what so. he's starting today, Sunday, and uh, you know, hopefully he can bounce back. I don't think they would not be running him out there if he wasn't uh, 100%. Totally agree. Um, with the precautions that Yankees have on their pitching staff, I mean, he's he's a young guy on our on our on our staff that we project to be on the team for a long time. He's, they're not going to mess around with him. Yeah, you got to remember he's coming back from Tommy John. Um, I mean, look at Matt Harvey; he has not been sharp all year. He's faced some tired arm. It's just going to happen when you're coming back from that surgery. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, uh, hopefully he can bounce back today, and and uh, Girardi can do what he says. He's going to get these guys a little bit more rest. And uh, today, or that day, was also uh, Alex Rodriguez's birthday, and he had a happy birthday home run. How about that? Good for Alex. Good for Alex Rodriguez, formerly known as A-Rod. Right. <laughs> um, and also I want to mention in this game, and it's sort of been a trend recently, but our boy Didi Gregorius is starting to become a player. Uh, his stats for the month of July was 317 batting average, 5 extra base hits, and 13 RBIs. And he hit a home run in that game on Monday. Yeah, and he got robbed of a home run last night too. Yeah. He uh he's been he's been hitting the ball well. He's been hitting hitting the ball hard. Um you can definitely see a, a new a newfound confidence in Didi. I mean, I think he's really settled in. I think a half season. You know, again, we you know, this is something that we've touched on early when we were talking about Didi is that this is his first year playing a full year. Um he's been up and down I think with the Arizona Diamondbacks in their in their uh, organization, but he's never really had a full year to get into a, a season. And when you're playing 162 games, you know, you got to find your groove. You got to get into it, and then and then really get settled into, uh, I think, a, a major league season. And I think you're starting to see that now. You're starting to see a lot of comfort. You know, he's he's obviously com- the clubhouse is um, is a stable place for him now. Uh, and he's not platooning anymore. I mean, he's our everyday shortstop. There's there's no more talking about platooning. So yeah, he starts every game against lefties. Yeah, so he's uh he's he's been really good. He totally changes the dynamic of the bottom of that order if he's hitting. I mean, he's not going to hit 317, but if he's hitting 270, 280, that totally changes the dynamic. Give me Ref Schneider and DD at the bottom, um, and I will be a happy, happy, happy person. Yep. Uh, and you know, DD's got a lot of speed too. I mean, you, we've seen it on occasion when the, when he wants to turn it on, he can first to third. I bet he's one of the fastest guys on the team. Yeah, he just needs to think about uh, so what he's doing on the bases before he does it, though, because sometimes he can be a little bit over aggressive and run himself into outs. Yeah, but when he's just running and not thinking, dude can fly. <laughs> uh, he's being aggressive at the plate, though. That's one. That's the major difference I've noticed is he's yeah. attacking. He's not taking a lot of pitches. Um, you know, he's never going to be a guy that walks a lot. So get up there, you know, take your hacks, get some hits. Yeah, and I think a lot of the veterans are, are working with him. I've seen, you know, we've seen reports of A-Rod working with a lot of these guys uh, and helping their, you know, their their um, their mechanics and just working with them mentally, I think, and the dual-headed uh, hitting coach. So, now we have a we have a triple head uh, a triple headed monster uh, with a rod as like a player coach, but yeah, you know he's been aggressive and I think he's he's kind of found his stroke. All right, Tuesday was one of the wackiest games I can ever remember watching uh, mm-hmm. in my entire life. Uh, this was the game where Capuano started because Brian Mitchell uh, ended up falling in the weight room in Scranton, um, so they wanted to, they didn't want to start him after that because he kind of got banged up. 
Um, so Capuano had to go in there and start, and he was absolutely god-awful. He only got two outs, walked like four guys, gave up a couple hits, and the Yankees were down 5 nothing before they were even out of the first inning. He's just not a major league pitcher anymore. I mean, the guy doesn't deserve to be on the roster. Um, it's a, I, I can't and believe how long he was not. on. And he's not. He got DFA'd after the game. But I, I, it's, just, it's, a, it's crazy how long he's stuck on this team. Um, but yes, so Capuano was, was awful. I mean, just, just downright awful. Um, but the Yankees had an answer. Yeah, it's one of those, I don't know why I got a weird feeling. You know, I'm sitting there and the Yankees got out of a bases loaded jam. Uh, Moreno came in and he was unreal. Uh, he pitched really well. Yeah, he gave up no hits over six innings. Uh, but he came in and got out of a bases loaded jam in the first. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, I got a kind of a good feeling about this. I didn't think they were going to score 11 runs in the second inning, but that's what they did. Yeah, they just came in, and there were zero home runs hit in that second inning, uh, which which is something to talk about because early in the season, the Yankees were living and dying by the long ball. And, you know, we've seen now, we, I, we talked about this, I think, on the um, trade deadline episode, but we're starting to see a lot of those averages climb up, and uh, we're, we're seeing more base hits, and we're seeing these guys go a little bit more station to station, which is a very good thing and, and a and – a, and a, a streak killer, right? If we're having a losing streak and you can get on base more often, um, usually they don't last too long. So it's good to see them do that. Yeah, Didi, Brendan Ryan, Chris Young, and a bunch of other guys all had big hits. Uh, the Yankees put up three unanswered touchdowns and won 21-5. <laughs> Just unreal. Yeah, I think it's more more uh, points than the Jets are going to score in the first half of the season. So <laughs> Now you're coming around. <laughs> I'm just realistic. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> Uh, but but after this game, you're sitting there and you're like, the Yankees are never going to lose again. That's that's the feeling I got. Yeah, I don't know if I got that feeling, but I was pumped up for that game. <laughs> I think, you know, when you come when you score that many runs and and you see just just how how much of an onslaught you can put on a team, uh, it's fun to watch. Well, uh, and then the next night they go out and they only put up two runs. And I think the great John Sterling would say, well, you can't predict baseball, Susan. Yeah, but you expect that, right? Like that always happens. They they blew every they they got rid of everything. They unloaded the uh, the artillery in one game, and then you expect for a, a dud the next game. I feel like that happens way more often than not. Yeah. So the offense spotted Tanaka two runs early in that game, and he immediately gave it back. He gave up three runs in the bottom half of the inning, uh, which is really demoralizing. Uh, and he didn't look good at all. Six innings, he gave up nine hits, four earned runs, and he walked three guys. Um, this is one of those games that out of Tanaka where we've seen it a few times this year where he just looks like a very average pitcher. Yeah, and, and you know, when he's not getting that, that splitter down, down, and he's not, it's not sharp, he's not as effective. And Girardi talked about this as la- after his, one of his last struggles. Um, and we're just seeing it way more often than we saw it before. And three walks, I think, is, is, is it's concerning because that means he's not, he's not locating. And, uh, you know, that's one of his strong suits is, is he can locate. He can put it on a dime, and um, he's not doing that. So I think we're going to get into Tanaka, um, a question about Tanaka when we get to the voicemails, so I'll save it for then. But um, it's really it's really kind of worrying that our ace is going up and down like this. I think Tanaka needs to be more consistent. That's what I want to see out of him. I'll give you one thing, to, though, that I, that I see out of uh, when Tanaka struggles, and it's completely opposite of what Pineda does, right, is he, he kept us in the game. You know, he kind of labored through it, he dealt with it, and he did keep us in the game, um, whereas Pineda just completely blows up. So, you know, to, to give him a little bit of credit um, when he doesn't have his best stuff, at least he, keeps the, he labors and labors and, and, try, and keeps the Yankees, you know, relatively in the game. 
That's true. I mean, if the Yankees' offense, uh, you know, obviously put scores twenty one runs, or, or <laughs> even is close in that game, you think of it as an okay start. But I think the the thing that really pissed me off about Tanaka's start was the Yankees got him two runs and then he immediately gives it back. Yeah, I mean, that's gonna happen, I guess. You know, they're uh, if you're not sharp and these guys are getting lining the barrel up with the ball early on, uh, they're they're looking for those weaknesses, and if he's not sharp early, they're gonna hit him. And then we saw that again on on Thursday. Uh, this was the game where Texas walked off on us, uh, but CC started. Yankees spotted him three first inning runs, and then he immediately gave it back on a three run homer to Hamilton. And I know when we had Rich on on Friday, we talked about this a bunch, but oh man, I'm so tired of watching CC. Yeah, I think everybody's tired of watching him pitch. He's just he doesn't look competitive um, at, at this point. Um, and you, you obviously hate when, when pitchers give back leads immediately because <laughs> he did it again too. But it's like your um, team – I mean your team goes out and scores three runs. It's so demoralizing when you're out there in the field and, you're, and your starter is walking guys. He's going a 3-2 on everybody and then he gives up a bomb. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, the other team is trying to do the exact same thing for their starter. So, uh, you know, they're they're trying to get themselves back in the game. So they're pressing a little bit as well so that it doesn't get away from them. So, it, you know, it's just, it is. When you're watching a game and you get a good, you get a big lead or you get a lead, period, um, you want to see the, your starting pitcher able to hold that lead. And, and when he doesn't, um, especially when it happens immediately, it is a little demoralizing. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, the, the offense should, should rebound and, and, you know, play for the rest of the game as well. So, CeCe, the things that really stuck out to me in this game was he gave up uh, home runs to Hamilton, who's a lefty, and Chu, who's a lefty. And Sinchu Chu was coming into that game batting 170 against lefties, uh, which is just god-awful. But uh, CeCe can't even now get lefties out. Yeah, when he's not getting lefties out, you're you're having a very big problem because he sure as heck can't get righties out. And, uh, you know, if he's not being effective against left-handed uh, batting, then... Who, where are the outs coming from? You know, where, where are these outs coming from, and how deep can he really get into a game? So, yeah, that's that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. Um, granted, Josh Hamilton's a good hitter. Um, he hasn't really shown it, and Chu has just been struggling terribly. So, and maybe Chu was due. <laughs> how much longer are they going to keep him in the rotation? I don't know, but I don't even know how much I can talk about it more because I, there's no answer. It's just you, they have to put. They should. They look. It, he should be out of the rotation. There's no qualms about it. You look at his numbers. There's, he should be not. He should not be in the rotation. But he is in the rotation, and it's because he has the contract, and because they think that he should be pitching. I don't know what to tell you. The, I, I don't see them sitting him. I, I don't see the the um, the front office putting him down. Um, you know, in the in the pen or uh, you know throwing him into the minors. That definitely won't happen. Or just like sitting him. I could see them skipping his starts occasionally. I could see that happening. Are they going to skip all of his starts because they lose seventy five percent of the time he starts? No, they're not going to. They're going to skip like one or two, and hopefully that he can rebound and come back stronger. That's just going to happen. Uh, this game was annoying for a couple of reasons. Obviously, um, CC, and we just talked about that. But <clears throat> we get to the ninth inning; it's tied six to six, and Girardi starts uh, Nick Goody in that inning because you know the whole thing of you don't start your closer uh, in a tie game on the road. Which, fine, I get that. I actually, that's my mentality. Uh, Girardi has done it in the past where he has brought in Miller. But uh, he brings in Goody for, to start the, the ninth. Uh, he gives up a walk. And then he brings in Miller. If you're going to bring in Miller anyway, why don't you just start him with a clean inning? I, I don't get it. 
I totally agree. There's there's no reason if you have even in the back of your mind that if Goody's going to struggle, that Miller's going to come in. Why not just bring Miller in? I, I think I think Girardi does those those moves too much, and he um, you know he's kind of playing with house money. He thinks that maybe he maybe he can roll the dice and get Goody for an inning and and save Miller. I think that's his mentality. But if anything happens, Miller's coming in. But I agree. I mean, I, give him the inning. Uh, if he's going to come in, give him the inning. Yeah. Once Miller is warmed up, I mean. You're gonna sit him down again and then get him up later in the game. It, it, just bring him in. Like, I mean, yeah, we're we're in agreement on this. It's one of those moves where Girardi makes it, and you just scratch your head and you're like, Girardi's sort of stuck in the middle there. He, you know, you got to go one or two ways on this. You can't be in the middle. And ended up coming and biting us in the ass because Miller, who, like, let's not just say this is all Girardi and Nick Goody's fault. Miller came in and was not good. He gave up a couple hits and he ended up letting that runner score. So. Uh, Miller wasn't good and they lost the game, but I think you got to put Miller in a situation where he, he's at his best to succeed and that's with a clean inning. Well, and what's your thoughts on, on Andrew Miller? Because since he's come back from that injury, he has not looked great. He has, he's, he's been giving up a lot more hits. He hasn't looked as dominant. Um, I I think his stuff hasn't been as sharp. Uh, do you see concern based on this injury that it's it's not it is not over and he still got some some lingering effects? No, I don't. Yeah, you're right. He has not been as sharp as he was maybe in April and May, but he's still pretty good. He's still perfect in save opportunities. Um, I think this is just another bad game. We saw it with that tie game in Washington when he gave up that home run to Zimmerman. For whatever reason, closers sometimes cannot pitch in tie games. It's so freaking weird. But um, we saw that with Soriano so much. Soriano, when he would come in uh, at the end of a game, when a close situation, he was filthy. But if it was a non-close situation, he was hittable every single time. It's it's one of those weird mental things. Maybe it's because some closers feel like, okay, I got to pitch maybe two innings to give my chance a team to win. So they're not going out there and giving it their A game for that one inning. I I don't know. I'm just spitballing. I'm trying to figure out why. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think it's the, there's a completely different mentality. I mean, you're just getting three outs to keep your, your team in a game rather than to, to win the game. Like, this is it. And, and, you know, maybe they don't get as hyped up. Uh, you know, maybe they need that a little extra adrenaline and hype to, um, to do what they do. And that's what they're used to. So if they don't feel that as much, I don't know. I'm spitballing, too. You know, I've never closed a game in the major well, league. So. Mariano also was not as good in these situations, and he was the best of all time. It's across the board, and he was an eighth inning guy before he was a closer. So he's he's been in those situations before. Um, I just think these guys get in such such uh, over a hundred and sixty two se- game season. These guys get into their their motions, and they get into you know um, they, they they do the same thing every single time when they're coming in for for a close. And when they're put into a situation that's not the same, it kind of throws them off a little bit. <clears throat> All right. Then the Yankees went to uh, Chicago White Sox, and they won thirteen to six on Friday. And uh, Teixeira hit two more home runs, a grand slam in this game. He had two home runs on Thursday in Texas as well. Absolutely on fire, just carrying the middle of that lineup right now. Uh, you cannot say enough about this man. He has been unbelievable this season. I mean, gluten-free for everybody. I swear to God, <laughs> changed his life. Um, he has been dominant. And, you know, coming the way that he just came in on Thursday and Friday – he, you could just see the the look on his face. I'm like, this guy's gonna hit a home run. He there's it's 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 home run or or, or a double. He's gonna hit the ball hard. Um, you can just see he's locked in. You can see it in his eyes. So it's awesome to see that, and it's it's really good to see a guy you know playing this well. You know what was not awesome to see? 
I know what you're going to say. I mean, I, I, you're talking about our 11-win pitcher, you know, our stud. Yeah, our 11-win pitcher who took 117 pitches to get through five and two-thirds innings. Yes. Okay. Let, let, let's, let's, let's harp on the fact that he threw 117 through five and two-thirds. But we could also talk about that he's kept us in almost every single game. Uh, I saw a tweet out there. I think it was um, – the guy's a scout you know, on the Pacific Rim, Yankee, I think at Yankee Source, um, talking about how, you know, Evaldi's had, I think, three bad starts. The rest of them have been, you know, he's been probably our most consistent starter. Whether it's, you know, getting into the fifth and sixth inning, he's probably been our most consistent starter. Um, if the Yankees didn't score eight runs a game for him, which is abs- like actually what they're scoring for him, then I think he would not be our 11-win pitcher. He'd be our four-win pitcher. But you're also seeing consistently that he's keeping us in games and that he's, you know, through the, into the, into the sixth inning, uh, he, the Yankees are in practically every single game that Evaldi starts. Every single one. It's just I'm pulling my hair out every time I watch him pitch. Uh, you, you have your expectations are too high. I think right now because think, I'm seeing him throw 98 miles an hour, and he's got like he'll, one time he'll throw a split where it just like drops out of the zone, unbelievable, and then the next pitch he'll throw and it's hanger at the in the middle of the plate. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't control his breaking stuff as well. I mean, he's 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 still a work in progress. He's a young guy who throws hard. I mean, everybody in this league throws hard. It seems like every every team has. You know, five or six guys that could throw in the high 90s today. So, you know, while, while that's, that's awesome to see out of a starting pitcher, it's not something that, that automatically says, hey, this 98 fastball is going to get a guy out because the major, league, major leaguers can hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. If you don't have the breaking stuff and locate that breaking stuff, you're going to throw a lot of pitches, and that's what you see from him. He gets hit. He, you know, uh, you mentioned this to me before, like a lot of foul balls. He just doesn't have that, that out pitch that, that he really needs. And, um, but when he's sharp, he's... You know, he gets into the what eighth, ninth inning. What did he do to start before that? He was he was nasty. No, I mean five and two thirds is his average start this year. I feel like every time out he goes five and two thirds, and this time the Yankees scored him a bunch of runs, and he had a huge lead, and he couldn't even get through the sixth inning. Well, that's because he threw a bunch of pitches, um, but he's still giving the the Yankees an opportunity to win, and. I, I don't. I'd rather him go five innings, give up three runs, than you know Pineda going in for three, you know, two innings and giving up eight runs every other start. Obviously. Well, I mean, that's the you have. Well, let's stick to that. Let's let's talk about how consistent he's been. Whether it's been going five or six innings, he's been a consistent five or six inning guy. He's, consistently he's, he's kept mediocre. But that's why we have such a deep uh, bullpen, and our bullpen is something that we can rely on. That is part of the team as well. I just, I'm not looking for Evaldi to go out there and pitch eight innings every time, but just get me through the sixth inning. That's all I'm asking for. Well, I think he should be happy with uh, with what he's gotten. Look at, you know, we gave up, what, Prado for this? Or not, we didn't give up Prado. We gave up uh, Phelps for this kid. Um, and has he been has he been a, a good deal from, I think he has been. I think he's been, I think he's actually met expectations um, coming over his first season. Do I think he has room for improvement? Absolutely. But has he met expectations as our third, fourth starter? Hell yeah. Speaking of room for improvement, uh, <laughs> Brian Mitchell started Saturday night. Um, and he, to me, was was average because his stuff was there. You know, his fastball looked look good and his breaking stuff at times looked good. But then he also left a lot of pitches up in the zone and he gave up a bunch of hits, a home run. Uh, and he only went four plus innings and gave up four runs. Um, but to me, I think it was his first start of the season. It, it's something to build on for next time. Cause I think he's going to remain in the rotation. Um, or at least he's going to remain on the roster at least while Pineda's out. 
he'll remain on the roster. Or he'll be one of those guys that calls up. It seems like the Yankees are calling up and sending down, someone down every day. Um, so they just keep bringing up fresh arms. Um, but I think Brian Mitchell will be that spot, that spot starter guy. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, hopefully he, he stretched out and he can uh, build on that because his stuff is really good. Um, and I agree with you. I think he got off to a rocky start, but they kind of settled in for a little bit. And then, um, uh, like you said, you know, I think his stuff is good. He just, he just, uh, you know, he needs, he needs to sharpen it up a little bit. Are you a little surprised that his name was never floated around at the trade deadline? I guess so. But, you know, for the guys that we were going after, um, uh, I, I don't know if he was, uh, I, I like, this is one of the things that we talked about. I think Rich was talking about it and mentioned it in our trade deadline episode, right? Is that we have these, the, like the top tier of, of minor leaguers, but when you start getting into the second and third levels of these guys, you know, we are, we are not as, as strong as a lot of other teams. Um, so I think a lot of these teams were getting better deals from, uh, from, from other guys. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Mitchell would be like a tack on prospect. Yeah. Um, in a deal, but um, I was just uh, a little surprised. It you know no mention of him at all. Well, right, no mention that we heard of because he's not a really a juicy name to throw around either. So I don't think many people cared about him as much. Um, so I, he very well could have been in a package or two. You know, we just didn't hear about it. Uh, it's just you know when you're you, we saw this you know we, and we talked about this, but you, you're giving up like number one prospects for a guy like Mike Leake. Then a Brian Mitchell is not going to do the trick when when other teams are giving up their number one. Uh, I think one and four prospects actually. I think the Giants gave up for him. So, um, you know, people were really overspending or spending some high high prospects uh, on the trade deadline. All right, today Sunday uh, it's going to be Nova versus Samarja to finish up this game. Hopefully, they can get out of Chicago with a series win. Um, and all in all, it wouldn't be a bad road trip if they win today. No, it would be good. Uh, I think uh, a split in Texas is. Granted, we wanted to give them a, a sweep back because they got us, but I think a split in a four game is something you can walk away with, uh, you know, and, and feel okay about that, um, especially on the road. And then, um, and then Chicago, yeah, if we can get a series win here, that'd be big going into the Red Sox in Toronto. Yep. So they have an off day on Monday, and then three at home versus the Red Sox, and then three big ones against Toronto. We'll be at the stadium on Saturday. Uh, we know we've talked about Toronto a bunch of times, but this is gonna. I think this series is gonna have some fire to it. I agree. I think they're you know them and the Orioles are gonna be the the, the two biggest uh, teams to watch down the stretch uh, when we're talking about the Yankees. Um, and the Yankees could send a real big message if they uh, if they take care of them in this series. So I'm glad that the first time we're seeing them after the deadline is at home. <clears throat> totally agree. And um, yeah, you just gotta win. You gotta win series, and you send a message that way. You just keep uh, keep burying them a little bit at a time, and and that's how they'll uh, coast to the playoffs. Um, all right, I think we have a voicemail, right? So why don't we get into that? If we got to the World Series, I don't think that we can win it simply because of our starting rotation. It's so bad. There's nobody. I think I don't know if it was you guys that mentioned it last week, but you got to have that guy that you can count on to win win games one and five and one and six or whatever. I mean, you got to have that guy that you can count on to win a game when you need him to win a game. It was Bumgarner and James Shields last year. You know, you got to have that ace. We don't have an ace with Tanaka's inconsistencies, Pineda's inconsistencies. Now he's on the DL. Uh, CeCe's nine. I can't believe that if we go to the World Series, I can't believe they're going to put CeCe on the mound and trust that he's going to win a game. It blows me away. They might have some up their sleeve, but I'm with you guys. I'm not willing to trade prospects for an ace. So kind of between a rock and a hard place. Anyway, sorry for the rant. Thanks, guys. Bye. 
All right, awesome. Thanks, Alex. That was Alex in California um, talking about our starting rotation pretty much for the playoffs. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, I'm definitely worried about it. I don't know about you. Yeah, and, and Alex, Alex, uh, I, I cut that up a little bit. You know, Alex, Alex has a lot more concern than that little soundbite that I played. You know, that was a that was a three minute comment that he that he had left talking uh, talking to us. So, uh, Alex, thanks for calling in, but. You know the over the overlying theme of his call and his frustration is uh, you know these short series. I think seeing that the Yankees have so much potential to get to the the playoffs and potentially the World Series, but where's the confidence in the starters? Um, you know, in a short series like that, who's going to be the guy that we can that we can really rely on? And while while I have some worry, yes, but I think it's too early for me to be worried about this because you know we've seen so many times in major league major league baseball. Uh, teams end the season hot, pitchers end the season hot, and carry that momentum into the playoffs. So, you know, who knows what Severino is going to do? He could be lights out. He could be one of our guys that we rely on down the stretch. Um, Tanaka could be just filthy in, in in August and September, and then we have zero concern. Pineda could come back completely healthy from this injury and 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 dominate. Or you see the other side. You know, we have guys that you know maybe maybe these. You know, these these struggles continue. So I don't know. I think it's a little too early to be worried about that right now. I think we need to just kind of hold the hold the fort down and, and see what we can do getting into the playoffs. But yes, do, do I think that they're going to run CC out in a, in a playoff game? Can we can we put him out in a in a game like that? Hell I mean, no. Yeah, I know what you're going to say, and I know what everybody should say. No, no, no. While it wouldn't surprise me that Joe Girardi would put him into a game um, for a couple innings to see what they could get there out of him. There will be riots in the streets of the Bronx if that happens. Yeah, it's just it's such a Girardi move. I could totally see him doing it, though. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, to me, it's too early to, to start worrying about any of that stuff. I mean, we have a five-game lead right now. Um, let, let's focus on holding on the fort and then see what, what, what happens, uh, you know, at the end. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees add another pitcher still um, with waivers. I, I would not be surprised if we get a guy for... Yeah, but um, it's not going to be a guy you're probably going to want to rely on in a playoff game. Not, not for that, no, but it's, it's going to be a guy maybe similar to a guy that, you know, we wanted to get, you know, kind of one of those uh, in eating, an innings eater guy type of guy. Right, let, me, let me ask you this. Um, on a scale of one to ten, confidence-wise, how confident in you are t- of Tanaka to start a big playoff game? Uh, I'll, I'll go seven, and the reason I say seven is because I think he's got the makeup. I think he's the he's the type of guy that uh, that can go out in a big start and, and pitch well. I I don't know. I feel like he he's just he's just one of the he's he's got the ace mentality. Um, I, y- I think when you're when the chips are on the on the line, I, I think you'll get his best. And I think when he's at his best, he's he's one of the best starters in the league. So I, I, I still have confidence in him. What about Pineda? I uh, mean, uh, six, five, six, uh, teetering on a five. Only because we've seen we've seen Pineda be, you know, Mister uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. When he's on, he's filthy. When he's not on, he gets crushed. Um, so I, you know, I don't know what to expect from him and, you know, I have not seen him in, in big games, um, you know, pitch as well. So yeah, my confidence is less in Pineda. What about CC? <laughs> yeah, I guess CC, his stuff wise, I got nothing. Uh, I mean, makeup, he's a, he's a big game pitcher. He's been his whole life, but he just doesn't have that, that, that same arsenal anymore. So, but you get what my point is. My point is that you don't have. There's no one in the starting rotation right now where you say he's going to go out in that playoff game, and and I have full confidence. I have ten out of ten confidence in him to get the job done. You know, a, a la Andy Pettit or CC of 2009 or or Roger Clemens back in you know 2000. You know, we don't have that guy. 
I got way. I got a lot of. Com- I got a ten out of ten confidence that Nathan Avaldi come in and pitch five innings. Ten out of ten. Yeah, he'll go five innings. I have ten out of ten confidence in that. I don't know what the end result's going to be though. No, but I, you're right. I, I see your point with that. But again, to me, it's too early to 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 say anything at this point. I mean, we still have a lot of the season to play, and uh, there's a lot of things that can happen from now until uh, until the playoffs. No, I mean, my favorite. We got to fork down first. My favorite thing to do is set the playoff rotation in July. Or yeah, yeah, right. I know, um, but yeah. So, confidence-wise, I think I look. I think Tanaka. I'm selling him short with a seven. You know, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree in Tanaka on a seven scale. I think that that's a good number. Um, and Pineda again. I, I I think I agree with you across the board. Um, so it was a great question from Alex, and it's something you know maybe we're not setting our playoff rotation now, but it's something to think about uh, going down the stretch um, into the playoffs. And we don't know what we have with Severino either. So let's let's Absolutely. keep that. We have, we have no idea what we're going to get from him. Absolutely. Um, definitely looking forward to it on Wednesday. That's going to be a big game. Um, I think we're going to see definite you know, buzz like we saw with Ref Snyder when he was called up. Oh, yeah. B- even bigger. I think the starting pitcher is because he's going to be on the on the field a lot more with the ball in his hand. I think uh, I think he's going to get a lot of support out there, and a lot of, uh, a lot of people are going to be uh, excited and anxious to see what he can do. We need to see 50,000 strong in the Bronx on, on Wednesday. Yeah, that'd be awesome to, to support this kid. I mean, he's... Look, he's one of the biggest prospects we've seen in a long time come up. Um, this guy is highly touted, has dominated on all levels. Yeah, let's show him some support for sure. All right, so I'm pumped up about that. I'm pumped up about next weekend. We're going to be in the Bronx on Saturday for the Bronx Pinstripes outing. I'm looking forward to, to seeing everybody from the site. It's been a year since we did this, so that's always a fun time. And uh, looking forward to getting some breakfast beers with you on Saturday. That's right, man. Can't wait. All right, we'll catch you next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.